0: your name let me talk to you uh, buy you a drink i'm tea pain you and me
1: wow you impressed super you're so impressed you might just leave i'm so impressed i'm not going to say anything to you about it truly <laughs> 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 Y'all, we're back. Um, Y'all, we're back. I'm starting a new diet this week. You want to hear it? Um, more soup? Only one dessert a day.
0: I should stop bringing shit. Did you guys go through that bark? Did you finish it? No. Good. You mean the cake? Cole calls it
1: cake. It's so cute. I like it's to so just,
0: good. I feel like I'm turning into the witch from Hansel and Gretel or my mother. Why are you going to try to eat my children? No, where I just feed them sweet things so they like me. <laughs> Normal. It's working
1: on me, at least. I <laughs> totally
0: <laughs> Well, no, it's one of those things where, like, then you know, it's call hard to trip. Gretel.
1: <laughs> because then I am sh- digging it.
0: Uh-huh. We shouldn't tell Koa he's Hans because, like, we already have so many identities. So many names.
1: Working. Dear readers, I don't know if your kids do this, those of you that have those things, but um, Koa, the past this few weeks. This isn't an ad. <laughs> for, for having children. We don't recommend we're it. Not,
0: we're not being paid. We're not sponsored. Why is this open? Hold on. Koa,
1: for the past few weeks, will only go by Bo Peep. You can only call him Bo Peep. If Mm -hmm. you say Koa, he's like, it's Bo. Um, He has seen Toy Story and wants to act it out again and again. He also owns some potato people. So his whole situation right now is that he wants to act out versions of Toy Story, and he's cast everybody in it. Um, The three gay men that live in this house have been (laughs) cast as Koa's sheep. (laughs) Carrie just got promoted, mm-hmm. I believe, it's a big from day for me. Trixie to Jesse. Really exciting
0: stuff. Well, I Trixie's in two. I went from being in two movies to now being in three movies. As well as some
1: of the And being shorts. a
0: lead and a short. So I'm now Jesse, which is something I actually when when he was assigning, I actually requested it,
1: believe it or not. And he said he, no because a plastic penguin he mm-hmm. had was playing the role of Jesse, but he's finally decided that Carrie can play Jesse and he announced it really seriously and it's it's she knows it's exciting
0: he hasn't told me I oh I can't wait for him to tell you himself Um, but either way I'm really excited I sang when somebody loved me for a lot of auditions in college and sang it once after a breakup and cried in a musical theater class so I feel pretty equipped to play Jesse and I'm from Chicago Joan Cusick is from Chicago I feel like I feel like I'm ready
1: I told Koa if he's still interested in in Bo Peep by October, I'm going to insist that he be Bo Peep for Halloween and that Adam, Spen, and Brayden dress as his sheep. And I will gladly be Jesse. That is a photo op I am dying Dying for. Oh, I have to tell you this uh, Theft Labs thing that I read.
0: (laughs) Are you ready for this? Yeah.
1: If clothing is on a boy, then it's boys' clothing. If clothing is on a girl, then it becomes girls' clothing. If you are not on the binary, then neither are your clothes. If somebody tells you you are wearing the wrong gendered clothing, that person is a trash can, and they're wearing trash can clothes. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty good, right?
0: I really like
1: that. Yeah, me too.
0: I really like that. I also... um, Dear readers, I had my birthday party. So outdoors. fun. What
1: a fun birthday, Carrie.
0: I got to tell you, it was so overwhelming. It was so fun because it was outside and, and everybody had at least one shot of the vaccine. So mm-hmm. everybody felt safe. And it, I forgot what it was like to host. And luckily, Koa was kind of playing host extraordinaire. Everybody loved Koa. koa made a really great showing at the party, I would mm-hmm. say. Very popular. Um, very popular at the party. Um, but I was really overwhelmed. Afterwards, and
1: felt so depressed after. That had night. high highs and low lows. I, I think high that's common on a birthday. I think so too. There's would, some sort of like yeah. life accounting you do on your birthday that brings about um, a really always, I think, a mixed bag of strong emotions.
0: You know what it made me think of? It made me think of I never want to have a wedding
1: because <laughs> you think you'd have that I same.
0: The like high highs of a birthday and the low, low, like the, like after it's done, you're kind of like,
1: but what happened? That's why you got to schedule it smart and you've always got to do a bagel brunch. Right. Get a little. Cause okay. you never should feel like it's over. You have to have it kind of dwindle out. Right. I will be, I, I, people will have cake
0: testing. I will have bagel testing. I'm not doing Thomas's bagels. I'm not doing, like if I'm, if I'm having a wedding and a bagel brunch, that shit's going to be fucking New York quality bagels.
1: Do you hear Matt walking down the hall? I just heard him. Well, I only mentioned it because he was telling me this morning, Oh, I was listening to one of the episodes of your podcast and wow, you can really hear a lot of background noise. And I am like, yep, that's you. And now I just think it's funny that he said that we came in here to start recording and there he goes finding reasons to walk up and down the hallway outside the room. Also, there are usually kids screaming and honestly, like,
0: do you want us to shut kids up? Is that what you want out of your podcast host? Because if so, I'm not interested in being that That seems really rude. We try to. We try to say, hey, stop screaming. You know, especially when the story involves some torture. torture. It's not a great look. But honestly, like, are you happy that life is existing in the background? Yeah. Take that for what it is.
1: This is a slice of life brought to you by a slice of life.
0: Amen, baby. We're We're, not
1: going to edit ourselves mm -hmm. because... We didn't come here to make friends. We We came came here to to make make a podcast. podcast, And we hope no one listens because we podcast like like no one is listening. And we
0: just gave you literally all of our ideas. Trust your blink. Now you know (laughs) what our content and what our merch is going to be. It's going to have all of those things. I want a hat. We should make a hat that
1: says... Truly.
0: Darkly. Creepily.
1: Starring the infamous, the gorgeous with 10-pound eyelashes. Gwynnlan Bosner and featuring the
0: mediocre, the non lashed, the oft forgotten, oft forgotten co-host, Carrie Imbaba. <laughs> <laughs> so that's us. But no, I do want to make a. I do a podcast like no one's listening is really good. And also, what was the other one that you said? Um, oh, we didn't. I didn't come here to make friends. I came here to make a podcast. I do want that.
1: Yeah. That's yes. And
0: then disperse pillows,
1: obviously. Disperse pillows for Helpfully everyone Hopefully that the people don't look like swastikas, but that's <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm no artist. That's why I'm asking that anyone out there that wants to make merch please continue making I it. Told, I don't do a good job. I told it's good. No, it's great. No, it's... no, The people
0: are running with their arms akimbo and their legs akimbo. And it does look a little bit
1: like running swastikas. Like running
0: swastikas. And then you look closer and you're like, oh there's a head there. It's a person. Listen, and then I told Quinn, and Quinn goes, "Carrie, it's a prototype," and she's not wrong.
1: Yeah, she's not wrong. Everything we do is a prototype. To be clear, we haven't started making the podcast yet. Next year, next year. Hey, I have to tell you something that happened to me yesterday. Yes, it is disconcerting to say the least. But I don't know what is else to really say about it. Steve's story, at the house where I'm gonna texts well, from everybody going to get texted. Well, interestingly, I was Quinn... walking on that street, <gasps> um, and. Uh, all the beautiful houses what is with this neighborhood i'm walking and there's an old man i put him at like late 70s standing on his front porch and i make eye contact with him as i'm walking by his house and it's a long big beautiful porch so it's when i walk by his house it's a while that i'm walking by his house yeah as he makes eye contact with me and like dead eyes eye contact and he has no mask so i'm not like interpreting his lack of expression as being a lack of expression due to a mask he had a lack of expression on his face he slowly slowly raised his shirt oh my god up above his stomach higher higher up above his boobs no And just dead-eyeing me the whole time. That's all he did. That's the only thing he did. Didn't say anything. Didn't move toward me. Just dead eye contact and slowly flashed me his tummy and chest.
0: Was it a I show you mine, you show me yours kind of gig?
1: (laughs) It didn't seem like he had necessarily been like working out and had something like special to show me. It just looked like what you'd picture it looking like. And I just could not figure out the end game but no. i just kept walking and i didn't further engage and i smart for the I, record i couldn't de- smart sure but like i wasn't in any danger no i no. just couldn't decide what what why if there was a response i didn't know what it should be so i just kept going
0: i think that's usually the best option is you know no response when people show bare their chest to you
1: I mean, I um, was like, what, what do if you, you think the backstory is on What if you, that? like,
0: froze like it was Jurassic Park? <laughs> and, like, was like, maybe you won't see me. I think that's my, that's been my favorite. Well, then, like, that dog
1: that peed on you, uh, he might have come closer and. And peed on you. Yeah. And that's, peed human me. pee is worse than dog pee, I think. To
0: some. To some. I'm hoping so. If a man, if a grown man peed on my jacket, maybe I would have thrown it out. I dog see, but smaller, you washed it I wash it, there's less dog pee than human pee It feels like, unless you have a UTI And there's not a lot of pee but Or feels- what if you just ate asparagus Ooh. Don't want that pee on me
1: No, nope, that's I'm a deal not breaker into, I'm not into pee play, you know uh, I don't need it I, um, I have enough pee in my life with all the boys in this yeah, house Yeah, I
0: remember a kid peeing on me for the first time It really freaked me out, you know I uh, really shot shoots right up there and at you Oh, when you change a diaper? Yeah. It's crazy. Really I, ba- t- I babysat crazy. for years, years, and changed so many babies' diapers. And it never happened? And it never happened. And then this little boy, he was like three or four months. And it was just like, what's amazing is it's like an arc. It, it, it shoots. shoots. It's like a, it's like a fountain. fountain. Yeah. It's really something. It's a sight to hold. And honestly, as a woman, it makes me like a little envious.
1: Yeah, it does seem kind of fun. I
0: was. I got it. Oh, oh, at my party. I didn't tell you. This is so bad. So... Like I think we I told you earlier, is I was worried about peeing or, you know, what the bathroom situation was. And there is a bathroom, like a 10-minute walk from where we landed in the park. Great. I go there. I made it all day. I go to pee. It's closed. I was a little drunk. I don't mind. There's a dumpster. I went around the corner. I watched for a friend, and then she watched for me. And she was like, careful of the doo-doo. And as she did it, I think I stepped into... Dog duty? I don't know if it was dog duty. because Or like, human it might have been duty because it's
1: by a dumpster. And yeah. that's not where a dog chooses yeah, to go. Yeah, so it was
0: on my shoes. I think I have to throw the shoes out. You I, do. I walked and I, well, like, I cleaned it off as best I could. No.
1: They're outside my
0: house. I mean, for the record. What I, kind of shoes? They're my, oh, thank God I wore my old Stan Smiths. Oh, definitely
1: throw them out. Yeah. Definitely do not I don't it. want.
0: I don't want to put them in my house. So when I take the trash out next, I'm going to put them in there
1: and go. Hard line at human doo-doos.
0: Here's the thing. I want to be very clear. I did clean it off.
1: Anyway. No wonder you had, like, a weird depressed. reckoning yeah, evening.
0: I, I, I don't know if I mentioned it today.
1: I, I did. Seems I seems emotional.
0: I was so depressed at the end of my birthday. Everybody left at one thirty, and I couldn't sleep until 3.30, and then I woke up at 6.45, and I couldn't vault. Like, I slept for less than
1: three hours. Cole went to go try to use the bathroom. I was telling Carrie at her birthday, and he whispered to me, <sighs> Mama, I have to go to the bathroom. And we're in the middle of the park, so I asked do you have to pee or do you have to poop? And he looked at me like, it was so rude to ask that at the party. And in front he said, of people, Clint." Yeah. In front of people. He goes, how about I tell you when we get to the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> I I think it was poop but when Matt took him he hasn't pooped in like a public restroom before and Matt took him into the restroom and Ko looked at the toilet and turned to Matt and goes I think I can wait till we get home Papa (laughs) (laughs) and he did
0: and he did yeah
1: proud of him that's a grown up thing to do to wait on a duty Good for him. Good for him. I mean, sometimes you can't wait. Sometimes you can't. But if you can, I think it's really nice that he was smart enough to know that he wanted to upgrade his toilet situation. (laughs) It's a whole thing. Oh, thank you to our new Patreon (gasps) subscriber, Brianna Posner. Speaking
0: of speaking of outdoor bathroom use and peeing and the best in like
1: a quick pee. One of the people that's really good at peeing anywhere, 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 anywhere is Brianna Posner.
0: Brianna freaking Posner. Thank you for
1: becoming a Patreon subscriber. Yeah, really impressed, Brianna. Wow. 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 What do you want wow. from us? What's your end game? Yeah, what's your end game? What's the deal? Um, Go ahead. Tell your story. Okay.
0: Um, I got my information from Dark... <laughs> really jumping in. This feels more prepared than usual. I'm doing darkhistories.com. Did I get information from that? I don't know. Wikipedia, True Crime Library, BBC, Medium. Did I read Reddit? Sure. I'm doing the story of Charles Walton. Let's set the stage. He's born in 1870, so this is an oldie. He's an oldie. He's a baddie. Um, he's not a baddie. He's a goodie. He's a farmhand kind of guy. He lives in the area. Um, he lives in this place called Lower Quinton. Mm-hmm. I'm maybe I'm saying this wrong. What I do know for a fact is it's six miles away from Stratford upon Avon. Oh, Shakespearean, which I call Walt Shakespeare Land. Uh huh. Really fun. I've been there. Great theater overpriced tours of a house that maybe once housed Anne Hathaway, not the actor, Shakespeare's wife. It's just a whole place dedicated to the life of Shakespeare. and But also, there's not a lot of records that Shakespeare actually lived there for a long It's kind of like, <laughs> like a weird fucking joke. Fame it's it's like a weird prank that everybody played on everyone. Charles Walton. He's married in 1915. His niece, Edith... She moved in with him and his wife because her mother passed away suddenly. Her, for some reason, her father didn't keep her, so she moved keep with her? her. It's weird, though. Her mother died, and you'd think that she'd go live with her father. Right. But he
1: Not, wasn't politely
0: declined, okay. I guess. And Edith moved in with Charles Walton and his wife okay. in 1915. Um, he then adopted her. She was three years old when this
1: happened. Oh, Okay. So, but
0: weird, right? Like a three-year-old, but maybe he just didn't really want kids, her biological father, and they really wanted Here's my thing women about that. to
1: if be around the kids. If you don't, please don't take them. Please that's don't my take whole them, thing, actually. So. Yeah, that's my whole thing. That's my whole deal. You don't want kids? Easy. Don't, don't. have one. And if you do, give it to someone else. Give it to Those someone else. Those are your two options. Um, Also, obviously pro-choice. Can't imagine that was an option at the time. Probably not. I'm just saying, I stand strong that please don't keep a kid you do not wish to have. We all know that goes south fast. Accurate.
0: So she's three years old. She moves in with Charles and his wife. His wife then dies in 1927. Edith is still at the house. Charles is a bit of a loner. Mm -hmm. He trained horses. He wasn't hated in the area at all. He just really didn't socialize with people. He was just like I imagine being a horse girl. You know what I mean? Like loved horses, didn't hang out with people.
1: Yeah, horse girl is. I could. T- I'm picturing exactly. Just a horse girl. Just living his seen damn that life. Movie? No. <sighs> okay. Are you a horse girl? No, 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 no. But. Not at all, but um, (laughs) I did grow up with some horse girls. And um, especially in Colorado, there were a lot of real horse girls. What's your definition of a horse girl? Someone that when they're really young, grows their hair long and likes to pretend they're a horse at recess (laughs) and has a lot of horse posters on their wall Mm -hmm. and does that for maybe way too long. Right. So as you all start to get older, she... Maintains um, her love of horses, and mm-hmm. that starts to maybe get be um be in the way of other types of I think normal of socialization developing. that yeah. might take place. Right. Yeah, it's a little like a Disney adult. It's a little... it's a cousin to
0: a Disney adult. I, I'm not surprised if it, if a horse girl turns into a Disney adult. That's right. not a, that's not a difficult transition for me to see happen. Yeah, I think what's important about horse girls they don't necessarily need to have a horse.
1: Oh no! Definitely don't need to have I, a horse. They I definitely view, act like a horse sometimes when no one is watching.
0: I also view Lisa Frank as like a part of that horse energy girl too. culture,
1: horse culture. for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a Venn diagram of Lisa Frank. I think other people were into it, but I think
1: there's an element of like
0: fantastical. I wasn't
1: Lisa Frank. Not a horse girl. Not a
0: horse girl. But I do think there's like also with horse girls, there's like a little bit of a
1: fantastical, supernatural vibe that they also might read. And if you said to them like. What would the name of your horse, they would answer that right there before you can finish the sentence. Mm -hmm. They'd have a name picked out for this imaginary horse that they either are or want to have.
0: Yeah. I'm going to say a controversial statement. I wasn't friends with many horse girls.
1: No one is friends with horse girls. (laughs) (laughs) That's why they're horse girls. (laughs) Sorry, but I think girls. horse girls
0: are also mean. Well, like I don't think nobody—they're no, no, not. Nobody hates them. No, wouldn't hurt a fly. You're freaked out by them a little bit, but nobody hates them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I imagine Charles Walton to be a little bit of a horse girl. Got it. Apparently, birds would flock to his hand, and apparently, he could tame wild dogs with the sound of his voice.
1: Wow, horse Snow girl. White. Okay, horse girl. Right.
0: Yeah. It's 1945. He is 74, 75 years old. Edith is living with him in the cottage, so Edith is 33 at this point. He pays her a pound a week to housekeep. Like, he pays her basically an allowance as a 33-year-old. But he also pays for the rent for the cottage. Mm-hmm. So he pays rent for the cottage. He also buys all the groceries. Seems like a sick deal, honestly. It's his money situation is he gets 10. It says S. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know if it's pence. I don't know. It's definitely not pounds. But Anybody, he gets 10. 1915, what's and, an S? Like, 1945, what's an S? The U.K. currency, a GBP. Great British pound. Is that what it means? GBP? I don't know. Either way, he gets 10 S a week for an old age pension. Love it. I think that branding is way better than social security. If I'm being honest. So he walks with a stick because he has joints are kind of achy. And for the last nine months, um, he has been working for this guy called Alfred Potter Potter is 40 years old. He has a farm called The Furs, and he pays pays Charles 18 pence an hour to just do some field work for him at 74 years old. He's still pretty able-bodied to do so, albeit his walking sticks for his joints. He only works when the weather is good outside. It seems like a pretty casual working relationship where this Alfred Potter is like, yeah, I'll pay you hourly to do this job of knocking down hedges. Also seems like quite laborious labor for a 74-year-old, but apparently he was game to do it. Wow. So at nineteen, uh, February 14th, 1945... Charles walks to work. He walks with a pitchfork and a slash hook. A slash hook is a pruning shear that's like double I can edged. It. So it's, it's like, like a big tch, captain tch, tch, hook, yeah, yeah. Basically,
1: Grim Reaper style. Um,
0: he leaves his wallet at home, and he's seen walking through the local church yards to the firs between nine and nine thirty in the morning. He's supposed to be slashing hedges in the field, and Alfred apparently walks by between like noon and one. He sees him slashing hedges about, you know, 500 yards away. Every day he takes lunch at 11 and then he goes home at 4. Edith is working somewhere else. She's working at, like, a local printing shop and she comes home at 6 p.m. and Charles is not there. Like, that's super weird. Where the fuck is Charles? Charles has not many friends, like I said, and he keeps a very strict schedule. So she immediately is like my blink what's up where's dad uncle Charles so she gets like a neighborhood guy to come with her they go to the field they go to Alfred Potter they like try to locate him Alfred Potter joins the search he's like the last time I saw that guy was 500 yards that way so they walk over to that area and they find Charles Walton's body among the hedges he had been beaten by his own stick that he (gasps) walked with There was hair on it, and it was found a couple yards away. His neck was slashed with the slash hook, and the pitchfork was stuck through his neck, and his body was pinned to the ground. Whoa. An incredibly violent death.
1: Yeah. For what seemingly was a sweet 74-year-old man. And I can't imagine he's carrying a ton of fucking S's. Totally.
0: No, really. The only thing was there was, like, they said maybe a watch was missing. It was worth about 25 pounds, I think. Weird. So, Edith immediately screams and freaks out. This is her dad-uncle. I mean, she loves him. Mm -hmm. She freaks out. This other guy was there. He comforts her. They call over this guy named Harry Peachy. And I just wrote his name because his name is Harry Peachy. That's a great name. He gets called over. They sent him the police. The police come. They... Come at seven o five p.m. So keep in mind, Edith comes home at six. Within an hour, the police are there at the body. Mm-hmm. He's removed at one o one thirty a.m.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They take statements from Alfred Potter. Alfred Potter had the farm for five years. He's known Walton the entire time. He talks about going across and seeing him or between you know noon and one o'clock in the afternoon. And he also says that you know when he saw him, that he had about six to eight yards left of the hedge to cut from his distance he could see and when he was up closer he saw that he had cut about four more yards which is to say that was like a half an hour work he had worked about half an hour longer before maybe something happened he said he's quoted as saying that walton was an inoffensive type of man but one who would speak his mind if necessary that makes sense basically like inoffensive unless provoked What's interesting about this is the local police department was a little like, "Uh, we're out of our depth here." So they immediately call um, Scotland Yard, the Metropolitan Police, mm-hmm. because they believed that it was committed by a madman. Or nearby, there was an Italian prisoner of war camp because it's 1945 and it's World War II. What's even weirder, and I'll get into this later, is that when they interview the Italian prisoners of war, they had either they worked or they had free time. And most of the time when they had free time, they went to see movies or theater. Okay. It sounds like a dope-ass situation. <laughs> I don't want to fight I'm for take the a... bad guys, but I definitely want to be a prisoner of war in England watching theater and film. Yeah. Robert Fabian, who became a famous detective at Scotland Yard, he's called. This is one of his first cases that he's investigating. And Alfred Potter quickly becomes suspect number one. The Italian prisoners of war, not much of a lead there. Alfred Potter is the last person to see him alive, so I think people sort of put their suspicions on him. But there's not a lot of evidence at all to connect him to the murder. I will say, without getting into much detail, because I don't think it's totally important what the details are, except his story does change a little bit, which is to say he had to go get a heifer out of a ditch. A heifer I had to look up is a small female cow. I knew that. You knew that? Mm Mm-hmm. So I knew it's a term of insult. I knew it's an insult. Yeah. But You've I been didn't call the heifer. I've been you just called the heifer. I don't know what it was. So <laughs> I had to look it up. And I also was like, why aren't you just calling it a cow? Yeah. So some of the reports of him, like, going home, reading a newspaper at 1240 and then getting the heifer or going to the heifer. But the heifer wasn't out of the ditch until 330 p.m. that day. So it was a little bit confusing in terms of all the little details that kept changing and kept adjusting. But... They also did an autopsy on Charles Walton, and they found defensive marks. So they found, like, shit on his hand and stuff from trying to stave off the attack, it appears. They found broken ribs, bruising to the chest. They, they assume his time of death was between 1 and 2 p.m. So I think that's why they put Alfred pretty close to this, because he's the last person to see him, and he saw him at, like, 12, 15, 12, 30, between 12 and 1. And his time of death was between 1 and 2 Charles' shirt was open, and his pants were unbuttoned, and his fly was 74 open. 74-year-old man
1: with his shirt open? This is triggering for me.
0: <laughs> I told you our stories were connected. <laughs> what if that was my
1: story? <laughs> I would
0: <did> love that. <laughs> and done. <laughs> and that's what you should it's sign mystery. up for Teeny Tiny Creepleys <laughs> on Patreon. Um, there are some accounts later that there was a cross- carved onto his chest, mm. but that's not in this report. Okay. So they interview Potter again. He clarifies that Walton never worked in wet conditions, that he was paid 18 pence an hour, and he counted his own hours. So it was very, it felt like a very trusting dynamic between Alfred Potter and Charles Walton. It's also important to know that there's, there's no real motive. motive. Like Alfred Potter didn't have any debt But apparently, like, money was tight for him, and sometimes he would pay wages late.
1: Mm -hmm. But
0: that doesn't seem like he would kill a 74-year-old man over it. Potter also mentioned that when he saw him that he was in his, um, he calls them half-sleeves. I'm just going to assume it's his undershirt. Basically, he saw that Walton was in levels of undress, but when they found his body, his jacket was on. So that was weird, too. There's just, like information that seems just incongruous with one another which i think is what lends them to focus in on alfred 500 residents in that area were given statements it feels very broad church to me where it's like they were clocking literally everyone that they could and their information fabian believes potter's to be the killer they said on the night that the body was found that potter was shivering and he complained of being really cold they were like ah, you know he looked more worried than affected by the crime, which I, I don't think is totally fair if you see a man that you know is killed. I, I, I think that reaction is pretty...
1: Sounds pretty normal.
0: Pretty normal. They do say because he butchered animals that they, he should have had like a stronger constitution, that he should have been able to handle it. I think that's not right. Toxic masculinity? Totally. Um, apparently also um. he had some blood on his pants, but it had been cleaned so well that they weren't able to analyze it. But again... If he killed animals, there also could have been animal blood. None of this stuff made me feel like, oh, for sure, Alfred Potter, for sure, for sure, for sure. Mm -hmm. They were taking fingerprints of the pitchfork and the murder weapons. And he mentioned that he might have touched them after the fact, like when he found out they were fingerprinting them. So that obviously pointed it at him. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm not willing to say for sure that that makes him appear guilty. Again, there's no real evidence to connect him. There's no evidence that he was even violent and no motive and they ended up finding that watch that was missing on charles walton at his house i'm just going to switch gears a little bit Anne Tennant, 15 miles away from lower quentin in 1875 years before this is like 70 years prior she was walking home at 8 p.m she left to buy bread and she was walking back and there were a bunch of guys kind of hanging out outside and this guy james haywood who was really drunk he took a pitchfork, and he stabbed her in the legs and in the head, claiming that she was a witch, and he needed to kill her. Okay. This guy was found not guilty due to insanity, and he went to an asylum where he died in 1890, so well, below, well before the Charles Walton murders. What's interesting about this case is that Charles Walton was apparently related to Ann Tennant. And they were killed in a similar fashion, both of which were 80, 75 years old, so older individuals, and both killed by a pitchfork. It's possible they were either distantly related or, based on bookkeeping at the time, it's possible that she was his great-grandmother. 25 years after the murder, Fabian, the detective on the case, mentions that it's possible that it was related to a pagan ritual. Okay. That this involved witchcraft. came out in 1929, so again, before the murder, called Folklore, Old Customs, and Superstitions in Shakespeareland. 1885, a young boy named Charles Walton had met a phantom black dog on his way home from work on several nights in succession. On the last night, the dog had been accompanied by a headless woman. That night, Walton heard that his sister had died. So this book that talks about a little, like, witchy moment has a guy named charles walton to be very clear there's no evidence that charles walton's sister even died and that this is even the same charles walton
1: right so but if someone was looking for witches and they read that book they'd be like charles walton is a witch speaks to witches is a witch knows witchcraft whatever yeah so that's a theory so we got to find who uh who's been reading that book (laughs) who's been who who checked it on the library (laughs) yeah look at the library card the next so step. the theory, there are a couple
0: theories. Yeah. That the town locals thought he was a witch. There were claims, like I said before, he
1: could talk to animals, talk to animals, calm wild are they dogs. He kept um, familiars. What are they? They're oh, yeah. called something. They in are witches. called familiars. That, yeah.
0: yeah. He, uh, but he could like summon birds to his hand and he could calm wild dogs with the sound of his voice. Some people claimed that he could cast an evil eye. People fa- said he kept toads as pets horse girl. It was claimed that that's possible that people thought that his association with witchcraft is what led to this ritualistic killing where the pitchfork stabbed his neck like it did Anne Tennant, and that the blood soaking into the ground was to, quote, replenish the soil's fertility. Apparently, this black dog that was mentioned in that book in 1929 related to a Charles Walton, we're not sure if it's this Charles Walton, but their harbinger of death and apparently after Charles Walton died, there were black dogs seen all over town, mm. including right next to the murder scene.
1: Fascinating.
0: Someone said because the murder was ha- happened in February that that's usually the sacrificial month and that he was a, a druid sacrifice. What I'm going to leave you with is this. This murder is completely unsolved. No one knows who killed Mr. Charles Walton, okay. a 74-year-old man. Working in a field. What I will say is my editorializing of the situation is that when I went to Stratford upon Avon, I went to a local magic shop. There was a place there that sold potions and brooms and things like that. And they looked me in the eye and told me that they've seen people fly, that like, that people on brooms. Lie and they've seen it themselves. They fucking believed it. They fucking owned it. I was shocked. I don't think they were trying to... I think they were trying to sell me something, but also they were were trying to sell you a broom. Fully believed it. I want to go to that shop. It sounds so Harry Potter fun style. That's what I want to tell you. Oh, tell me. They have a shop in London, and apparently when you go and visit, you sign your name in a guest book. And apparently, J.K. Rowling had visited these shops before she was working, before she wrote the book. Oh, yeah. And they think that this, because she's she was influenced by real witchcraft issues, which also leads me to this story, which I actually researched this story before I made this connection, but Alfred Potter, name, but Alfred Potter's wife is Lillian Potter, which is Harry Potter's
1: mom's name. <gasps> oh, it all goes back. And it all goes it back all... to a tiny boy with a lightning bolt forehead
0: <laughs> but I think but I think what's interesting about this is like if she was influenced by that shop as they claimed they were when I was in Stratford they told me that she was that she was inspired by that shop in Stratford upon Avon because she used actual ideas already existing in like the magical folklore fandom world right right right. it's like we talk about vampire and zombies it's like they mm-hmm. all have their own rules but there's a lot of connecting fables to mm-hmm. them I'm wondering if she was inspired by this story. 100%. You just sold that. Yeah,
1: I did. I'm sure Don't oversell it. Potter. Sold. Lillian Potter. Lillian Potter. Potter. Absolutely. Absolute Absolute evidence. So where can we get a butter beer? We want (laughs) to drink a butter beer. Also, just
0: to reiterate, we supports trans rights. We supports trans individuals. I think that's always important to say. J.K. Rowling. You are wearing trash can clothes. You're wearing trash can fucking clothes. This case came to me after I looked at Bella and the witch elm, because mm. remember that was connected to witchcraft. Yep. They quoted this murder as being related to Bella and the witch elm.
1: Wow. Because interesting. It was, it
0: was there's there's levels of people like be witchy. killing
1: witches still. There's
0: levels of, like, witchy vibes. But it's amazing that no one knows what happened. And the town is mum. No one's saying saying anything. And everybody who knew, this was 1945, everyone who maybe knew who was there is dead. Old person's home. Dementia has set in.
1: We out. No way. There's some thousand-year-old warlock or witch that was there that That knows, that can tell the story of what happened that day.
0: It just makes me sad because Charles Walton, like, seems so inoffensive.
1: Yeah, he's just a nice... He only used his powers for good. Totally. He was a horse girl witch. And he only used his powers for things all Rainbow and Lisa Frank style. Exactly. And leave him the fuck alone. And he took in his niece, who he clearly loved and cared for and, like... Right. Well, that's a sad story. Thanks for telling it. You're welcome. Um, My story is a (laughs) suggestion by... Mandalay Mandy, <gasps> our Patreon subscriber. Mandy, yeah, Mandy You're said a she fine wanted girl. what a good wife you would be <laughs> yes. for my life, my love, and my lady. Mandy suggested I uh, that one of us cover the story of Pam Hupp, which has been already covered by the master himself, Keith Morrison. You know Keith Morrison for Dateline. Thank yes, you. Yes, you do his voice. Yeah, I do. You know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah, of course. No, I don't. But I'm going to pretend I do. I mean, if you know anything about Keith Morrison, stop listening to this right now and just listen to his podcast, The Thing About Pam, because it's his voice telling you this story. And really, nothing fucking beats that. I mean, I want your voice to tell me this story. Well, it's all I can do. (laughs) Um, So obviously I've heard that podcast because I listen to anything Keith Morrison wants to tell me. I could listen to him... Read the phone book. I could listen to him read a menu, which would be even better. Oh, that's best of both worlds. We love that. I also, you know, Wikipedia. Who could stay away from it? And then there was a really good St. Louis Magazine <laughs> article by Janet Cooperman that I read. I am here to tell you the story of Pam Hupp. Oh, you know what I wrote? Hmm. this Is what I wrote. I was like, what? What did I write? What is that? Mean? I wrote W W K M S. What would Keith Morrison say? <laughs> Because as I was to prep yourself as I. Yeah. And as I was reading about this story, I kept thinking, like, how would Keith say this? (laughs) So then I wrote, I'm here to tell you the story of (laughs) Pam Hupp, which you may have guessed, but the story itself is anything but predictable. (laughs)
0: because <laughs> i was like i felt there because he would like you know i felt he, like i was doing dishes with the every sentence on and i was yes, doing every it. sentence
1: keith morrison says there's some sort of twist there is yeah like condition it's really yeah, so <laughs> good pamela newman hup grew up in delwood minnesota um, Family is Catholic. They have four kids. It's a classic Minnesota family. And the mom's a teacher. The dad is an electrician.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That um
1: out. Pam's, you know, she's a good kid, popular. Certainly popular with the fellas. She marries her high school sweetheart because just after prom, she gets knocked up with his baby, which is not, I don't think, their plan. But they're a Catholic family. So you keep it. That's what you do. You get
0: married. You keep it. You fudge the dates and you tell your kid when they're 11 or when they're 11 years old and they learn how to do math nine months behind and then they have an existential crisis and then they go to therapy when they're 30 and then it affects the rest of their life
1: in some way. That is our our Minnesota advice column by Carrie (laughs) (laughs) Appama. Carrie (laughs) Appama. She only is married to him six years uh, and then she marries a different guy, a carpenter named Mark Hupp. She's got a type. Carpenter, the-
0: electrician. lot yep. DIY projects around the house? Okay.
1: <laughs> She's putting them to work. Um, but that is the origin story of the name Pam Hupp. Okay. The Mark Hupp is where that comes from. She, so she has a little girl from her first marriage. Now she has a boy from this marriage. They're all living together in Missouri in 2001. And Pam gets a job working for State Farm. What's their
0: america's family insurance is that it
1: no that's a that's jake from
0: state farm i know that
1: state farm don't they have a song they should
0: We are farmers. That's not it. We are farmers. Farmers. Is that it? No, that's farmer's insurance. We are farmers. Sorry, State State Farm. State Farm. Not doing a good job with the jingles because it's not in my head. I know Jake from State Farm where they give him a lot of free stuff because they
1: think he's giving him the deal. Oh, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. People like Pam at the office. She, you know, she gets along with everyone, but things are a bit odd. Hmm. Okay, I did write this. If Keith Morrison were explaining it. This is how I think he'd say it. The office cooler conversations would leave some of Pam's co-workers feeling very, very cold and not in the least bit refreshed. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or he would say like, Pam, what would he say? I'm trying to like channel him. <laughs> Pam's co-workers would leave the office cooler thirsty. For more information, <laughs> <laughs> he's You're just good like at yeah, this. yeah. I know. I really think about small, him a lot. Teeny
0: tiny creepily of you, just as Keith um, Morrison, just doing
1: Keith Morrison. Um, so, an example of this would be like an employee comes in one day to work and says to everybody, "Oh, you guys, I feel bad. I didn't disclose that I got insurance money." a new roof for my house but I didn't actually use it and put one on my house and then two months later the office would get a letter from a guy who bought this woman's house saying is this true that this happened because I got a note from your office saying that this oh, happened shit. so it's like who Who's the fuck sent that a note? little
0: vigilante a little a little home insurance vigilante
1: Yeah, also a bunch of people's cars get keyed at work. And I'll tell you something else. There's people in Pam Hupp's neighborhood whose cars are also getting keyed. There's even darker shit, though, happening in her hood because there's bloody animal bones being left in someone's yard. Mean, anonymous letters, which led me to be like, Pam Hupp, are you the watcher?
0: Right? Totally
1: listen to our episode on the watcher so good oh
0: it, it sounds like she's the she's the central
1: part of this is she the one doing all this stuff tbd 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 keith morrison would say perhaps pam hupp's name should have been sue because she's really litigious. She sues everybody. Totally. Yeah, she has a lot of lawsuits. She's also, all those things that have supposedly happened to her have resulted in chronic pain, which means she's on disability. But also, once her case gets a little more public, you'll see videos of her not just walking places, but running places. Come to find out. Bitch does Zumba. So at State Farm. Pam meets and befriends this woman Betsy Faria. Betsy's 11 years younger than Pam. She's fun. She's adorable. She DJs on the side of her job. We love her. She's a cutie pie. She's diagnosed with breast cancer mm. and one of her big worries is that she's going to leave these her family and that her their family's not going to be able to manage financially without her. Her teenage daughters aren't going to be responsible. Betsy, we hear that. I think even the teenage girls listening to this Hear that. Um, she was also, like, afraid her husband would misspend their money. Pam, meanwhile, is getting closer to Betsy and is like, let me take you to your cancer treatments. But it's not looking good for her in general. For Betsy, I mean. Her husband, Russ, actually takes her on a celebration of life cruise. Aww. Yeah. And when she gets back, Pam is, like, even more aggressively sort of asserting herself into Betsy's life. One day... We don't know much about this day, but one day Betsy and Pam go together to fix Betsy's beneficiary forms to make Pam the beneficiary of her life insurance instead of Russ.
0: Instead of her husband? Yes. We'll
1: talk about that in a bit. Okay, so Betsy has a chemotherapy appointment. Pam shows up at Betsy's mom's apartment where she is and is like, hey, hi, hey, I'll take you. I'll take you to your appointment. Um, But Betsy's not there. She's actually already at the chemotherapy appointment. Her friend Bobby took her and she calls Pam and is like, oh, that's so nice. You were offering to take me, but I actually have someone, my friend Bobby is taking me and I want to spend time with her anyhow. She says that and then like a fucking creep, Pam shows up at the cancer center and sits with Betsy and Bobby during the treatment. And I think they're like, oh, we wanted to hang out, but you're here too okay then when it's time to leave pam's like hey hey i'll give you a ride and it works out because betsy's husband russ has a game night that night so she's gonna take pam up on this ride home what do you picture when you picture game night i pictured by default cranium
0: i bet if it's men it's poker because it's heteronormative get ready for what it is
1: Dungeons and Dragons? Role Master. Yeah. Hell pretty yeah. much. Role Master or Talisman, which are role playing games. That's great. Yeah, I love it. That's what they normally do, actually. But this night, they can't do it because they're a man down and they're very specific about how they play these role play games. So yeah. instead, they watch the movie Conan the Barbarian and part of the movie The Road, which they say is boring. So they turn it off. It is boring. They're right. <laughs> Russ leaves around nine. Mm -hmm. Hit this game night. He stops at Arby's. Oh, I hate this already. Gets home. Betsy's lying on the floor. And he's like, maybe, his like first thought is maybe it's the chemo. Then he sees blood. Her wrists are cut. What? And there's a knife in her throat. He calls the police and he says he thinks that his wife killed herself which is his assumption because of her terminal cancer situation. And also because she had attempted suicide once before they arrive and they're like, we think she's been dead more than an hour. The cuts on her wrists are so deep. They're basically to the bone, the knife though. It hasn't just gone into her throat. It also went into her eye. And you wouldn't have been able to see this if you were Russ just walking in, but she had actually been stabbed 55 times.
0: Oh, my God. Whoever
1: did this, first of all, it's obviously not her. Second of all, they were hell bent on making sure she was dead. Then they find something that changes how they're looking at Russ, his slippers in the back of his closet His slippers are there, but they have her blood on them. Also, as soon as the cops see those slippers, they're like, Russ obviously did this. So they start to read everything as he did this. They say he was upset and I quote, but had limited tears coming from his eyes. Which just takes grief processing assumptions to like a whole new level that they're like, oh, six ham- teardrops, six teardrops was very suspicious. Enough. If it was eight, we'd be in the clear. They say that his when he's acting calm, they find that very strange when he's acting very upset. They find that very strange. You know where this is going. So Russ obviously realizes they're looking at him. He is denying over and over. He's saying, I loved my wife. I had nothing to do with this. That's not what Pam says. Pam says, Betsy was planning to tell Russ that night that she wanted to move back to St. Louis to be closer to chemo and some of her friends. And she was real nervous to talk to him about it because of his nasty temper. She also just is talking to police, painting this picture of a rocky marriage. She is alluding to, That Russ had tried to poison Betsy. She's alluding that Russ wanted Betsy's money. She's talking about some crazy story about how once Russ put a pillow over her face and was telling her this is what it would feel like to die. Then she starts saying to them, oh, you might have an email from her to me that is about all this like how scared she was you might have an email and they're like we're not finding this email and she changes her verbiage to start referring to it as a document and being like you might find a document about this which is odd we'll get to that in a moment she also says I'm pretty sure Russ was home when I dropped Pam off Um, I think I saw his uh, silver niece on there then Russ clearly has an alibi this whole time though
0: he was at at the game
1: he was playing Conan Conan the Barbarian the road he was at game night then he was at Arby's there's a receipt in his car from the Arby's I mean yeah he has a fucking alibi Um, Pam is like after I dropped Betsy off at home I got home and gave her a call and they look at her phone records and they're like it looks like the call you're talking about you were still in Troy in Betsy's hood when you called her and she's like right, right 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 I pulled over and I called her, because I kind of didn't know where I was driving, and, and she didn't pick up.
0: What I love about this, though, is Pam is offering so much information, where it's like... So much information. You idiot.
1: Chatty Cathy. You fucking idiot. Um, obviously... And murderer. and murderer, to be clear. Obviously, Russ gets charged with the murder. Jesus. He hires a defense attorney, and this guy's like, wait, 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 hold up. Pam was the last person to see Betsy alive? four days earlier she was made the sole beneficiary of betsy's life insurance she doesn't have an alibi what (laughs) everybody saw russ at this game night if he did get home and do this he had like nine minutes to get home i guess take off his shoes and put on his slippers kill pam have this, like, staged phone call with the police, it seems pretty aggressive. Russ does fail the polygraph, they say, in court. But here's the thing about that. He was, first of all, if he did fail, he was awake 32 hours. He was smoking weed and drinking, and he saw his wife dead. Then he took a polygraph? Uh-huh. I don't know. Here's the thing. The defense attorney actually thinks it was faked, like the polygraph itself. Right. Which is... Is legal, I read. What? But has to be disclosed in court. Like, we, pre- let's, you fake the polygraph. Like, when I did the Chris Watts, it could have totally all been faked information. Just but to get it the person like, to admit, you and, can... Yeah. But, so he says, the defense attorney's like, let me see the video of him taking the polygraph. And they're like, wow, well, the video camera wasn't working. <sighs> get a grip.
0: Then isn't that inadmissible? Like, wouldn't the judge be like, oh, there's no
1: proof that he actually took this? Yes. And then he looks back at what Pam said, how she's like, yeah, the the silver Nissan was there. Or maybe I saw his... uh, his And there's a a document. There's a document. Right, right, right. So she says, maybe I saw a silver Nissan there. You know what? Maybe. Maybe I saw his blue Ford SUV there. So she doesn't know which car she saw there. It just depends on what he was driving that night. Her story needs to be like, I might have seen this car or this car. It just depends on whatever he was driving. Whatever matches. So Pam had said she'd driven Betsy home because Betsy needs to rest after the chemo. She shouldn't even be driving. She should be resting. You drove her home. She went to bed. Then you're calling her? Why were you calling her that night at all if the whole thing was let her rest? (sighs) Nobody tested any of Pam's shit. Not, not her DNA. Not her clothes. Oh my God. Nobody's testing her. Speaking of polygraphs, if we're gonna talk about polygraphs like they're a real thing, they're like, "Hey Pam, will you take a polygraph?" She test? says no, and she's like, "Oh, I've got these weird head injuries. I probably shouldn't. Let me ask my doctor." She writes her doctor a letter that we have possession of. Guess what the letter says. Hmm. Dear Dr. Fisher, could you please write Detective Kaiser a letter stating that I am not able to do a polygraph due to medical reasons? You don't need to be any more detailed than that.
0: the fuck? And by the way, are they going to trial with fucking Russ at the same time?
1: They go to trial in November 2013. No. By then, Russ's two stepdaughters have totally turned against him and think no. he might have had something to do with it. So they're going to, like, testify and be like, yeah, they fought a lot, Betsy and Russ. No. So he's got these bloody slippers, right? There's oh. no bloody footprints in the home. There's Eight sperm cells present in Betsy's body. So the prosecution's gonna tell a story about Russ coming home and like having sex with her and killing her. Russ tells police we did have sex 72 hours like through a few days ago, 72 hours prior to yeah. to that. Which just is your sex like education? Happened. Sperm can live there for seventy-two hours. Yeah, he this had is your sex ed for the day, folks. He had eight little fighters. Good they for them. Stayed intact. And chances
0: are they were
1: girls. Why? Oh, because they were fighters. Well,
0: yeah, but also they say again, sex. <laughs> oh, that girls ones live girls longer. Girls are live longer, but they swim
1: slower. Boys swim faster, but they die, die. first. Interesting. Um. An owner of forensic computer service. Company or whatever mm-hmm. says Russ's phone was 10 miles away from his house at 9 25. It got in the quadrant of like pinging things around his home. Oh my God around 937 Russ made the 911 call at 940. So now if he killed him, he did <laughs> oh the whole God. program in three minutes. okay? And we know sort of what her time of death might have been because her daughter Leah's calling Betsy a bunch between seven and eight o'clock. The first time she calls her and doesn't get anyone picking up is 721. And dying at 721 makes sense. It would account for the rigidity of Betsy's body once she's uh, come upon. The prosecution is like, well, the rigidity could have come from a cart from a fucking catarvaric spasm which are really rare things that do happen mm-hmm. um it's possible that's why but it's not probable right before this trial happens Pam knows she's gonna be maybe in the spotlight she's really not they don't let they don't question her at the trial the, they say the trial is not about this woman Pam so we're not gonna let the jury hear anything about Pam really which is so fucked but Just in case, Pam does put all the money in a trust fund for Betsy's kids right before the trial. Okay. Or most of it. Some of it she keeps and says, I'm keeping this, but it's for another one of my friend's kids because another one of my friends has cancer. Also, she's not keeping it for that friend's kid. A couple years ago, she started a fucking one of those online fundraisers yeah. for this family, but never told them and they aren't aware of it. So I'm pretty sure she's just pocketing all that money. Indeed. Oh, I've, oh
0: God damn it.
1: So, you know, he's not allowed to cross examine Pam or whatever. None of it is admissible. The theory they'll go with at this trial is that Russ had been planning this murder for a real long time. And are you ready for this shit? That it was part of game night. That they wanted to do the ultimate weird role play game. Oh and God. everyone was, was involved a... no. in this murder. That these men are going to be so shamed for their adorable game night. They're going to say that instead what what was going on is Russ was having sex with Betsy and then killing her. And all these other guys were just helping form his alibi they were the ones that went to arby's they were taking his phone around so it would ping these other towers and serve as an alibi they were putting this arby's receipt in his car i mean this is nuts but believe it or not in four and a half hours they return a guilty verdict and sentence him to life no it's wild and not only that, days later, when the jury can talk about it, they'll say, well, we really thought Russ's alibi was too good. And it was weird that all the stories the men told about that night were so similar. Like, maybe they were so similar because they were all oh, in on it together. my God. Guys, maybe they were so similar but because it was tra- what fucking happened. But why aren't you then charging every other guy with conspiracy to murder? I mean... Because they don't have that
0: fucking evidence.
1: That's insane. If you are not slamming your head into something right now, you are not paying attention to this episode. Just go back and start over. Holy shit. So during all this time that Pam had been talking to detectives, she once said to them, money makes people do crazy, crazy things. Right? She's the uh, the boss in the marriage. That between her and Mark and she handles all the finances. She's real cheap. She likes money. She doesn't have a lot of friends. You start to see why. A lot of her friends talk about Pam's fucked up relationship with money and say that when Pam's daughter first got married, she found a house she loved. It was a foreclosure and she was real excited about it. And she tells her mom about it and explains what she's going to do to get the house But then her mom outbids her, and Pam gets the house and flips it. Oh, my God. How crazy is that story? She gets $150,000 when Betsy dies. Remember I told you about that trust she started real quick before the trial? Yeah. She said it took her so long to start it because she was really busy taking care of her sick mom, um who eventually, Pam will say, died of Alzheimer's. Pam's mom, Shirley, was showing some signs of dementia, but she does not end up dying of Alzheimer's. She'll later die when she falls three stories from a balcony with eight times the recommended dose of Ambien in her system. Who do you think was the last person to see her alive? Yeah, Pam took her to the hospital the day before she died, brought her mom home the next day, And a housekeeper finds her dead. Interestingly, when Pam's being fucking interviewed by detectives about Betsy, she's like, oh, come on. Like, I would do that for money. You know, if I wanted money, there's a way easier way to get it. For instance, my mom's life insurance is going to have a real huge payout. Later, mom ends up dead. (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) Betsy's daughter's. Soup ham, because once Russ ends up behind bars, that trust is fucking liquidated. She empties it. What? Yeah. Her doing so, luckily, is grounds for an appeal. Uh and Russ will get his appeal because it'll also come to light that the prosecuting attorney in his trial was having some sort of affair with the captain of investigations for the sheriff's office. So that actually it gets, works in with, Russ's favor. Yeah, that'll get him a new trial. Um, do his do Betsy's
0: daughters now go? Wait a minute, something's not right here. And do they?
1: I don't know. I don't know what they're re- like. But they sue Betsy. They sue Pam. I'm sorry, they sue Pam. Right, that's his daughters sue Pam. The defense also discovers that there were photos of the house that were withheld, photos of the crime scene, and it. They're gonna say. The prosecution will say, well, they didn't develop properly. But really, that's not what happened. It's just that it didn't help their case. So the photos weren't presented. Um, This new video interview comes to light where Pam says she and Betsy were lovers. It's so crazy. She's basically saying it to give new breath to a motive for why Russ would have done this. (sighs) She also will now change her story to say, Pam will change her story to say, she saw Russ now at the crime scene. She saw two men in a car, and she thinks it was probably Russ, and they ducked down when she drove by. So the vehicle in the driveway when she gets there is now going to turn into the SUV, and the car she saw the men duck in is now the Nissan How does Pam account for her story fucking changing willy-nilly all the time? Those head injuries, remember? She's got head injuries. Now, here's the thing, Pam. To me, I go, you can't have it both ways, honey. If you have a head injury that makes it hard for you to remember things, you're just an unreliable witness. We shouldn't take anything you say As as truth. Truth. She's a liar, so she's doing the cue in our direction, right? And she's doing a lot of other things that look like lying. Um, She does a lot of I'm not sure's when she's being interviewed. I can't remember. She substitutes blah, blah, blah for things she doesn't want to fill in. When she's asked a yes or no question, you'll hear a lot of in my mind. That's correct. But she uses the head injury any time her story is getting misaligned. fuck? Why is... Uh, So let's get to the new trial, which happens in 2015. It's a bench trial. No jury. Huge contrast between this trial and the first. Why? Because in this trial, they're allowed to talk about fucking Pam. Pam. So now it really doesn't look like Russ did it, because as soon as you bring Pam into the equation and you talk about how cuckoo she is, everyone's like, well, now Russ really doesn't look like it. Also, they get the uh, crime scene investigator on the stand and he goes, you know, these slippers everyone's upset about doesn't look like they walked in blood. It looks like they were dipped in blood. Also, there was no cleanup. The floor is dirty doesn't make any sense that document let's remember the document yes the document i'm putting air quotes around they do find it it's on betsy's laptop with the author listed as unknown it was written when it was connected to the wi-fi network the club this would have been wow Pam was watching Betsy play tennis at a, at a club Betsy belonged to the, so if it connected to the, are you, are am I drawing this line correctly? Yeah. It looks like it would have been written while Pam was watching Betsy play a tennis game. Mm -hmm. Okay. It was written in word 97 software that had not been installed on Betsy's computer. The Microsoft outlook email app is open, but Betsy didn't use Outlook. So that's why the document couldn't get emailed. Okay. Like Pam, it's very clear Pam's the author of the e- email and she's then trying to put it on Betsy's computer and make it an outgoing thing that gets sent to to herself. Pam,
0: but she doesn't but know how to work her email. Yes,
1: it's exactly So that document, here's an excerpt. I know we talked about this yesterday, but I really need you to believe me. I really do feel that Russ is going to do something to me. He continued to tell me how much money he would make after I die. Last night was the worst. I fell asleep on the couch while watching TV. I woke up to Russ holding a pillow over my face. He said he wanted me to know what dying feels like. I need to change my life insurance. Do you think I could put it in your name and you could help my daughters when they need it? If something happens to me, would you please show this to police? So, camera. that.
0: I hate that. this. I hate that.
1: Russ is acquitted. Oh, thank so God. So, Thank easy. God. All right?
0: That, he went to fucking
1: jail and Oh, his he went daughters to jail. Yeah. Fucking hell. He, after losing his, his fucking wife. To this monster, just about a year and a half later, it's 2016, and Pam's gonna be showing back up in the news because she shoots a man named Louis Gumpenberger five times. Here's this story: he came to her house, this is according to her, said he's gonna kill her, threatens her with a knife. She knocks it out of his hands, runs to the bathroom and gets a gun, runs back to the bedroom where he now is, and she shoots him. Now, this Lewis guy had been actually in a car accident years before this happened that left him with a little bit of brain damage. So he has a childlike demeanor and he limps. And his kind of daily ritual is to go on these short walks in his neighborhood Mm -hmm. because he knows his neighborhood real well. Doesn't seem like he would have been in Pam's neighborhood to begin with. Pam's phone actually pinged in Lewis's neighborhood 45 minutes before she calls the cops saying this guy has attacked her. When they find him dead, he's got $900 in his pocket with a note that says he'll get the rest of the $10,000 after he gets Russ's money which he should leave in a wood pile outside Russ's house and that all he needs to do is kill Pam Hop.
0: She's trying to frame Russ again? 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 A fucking again?
1: 6 days before this all goes down, there's a woman in a nearby neighborhood that filed a police report about something she felt weird. That happened to her. That was phrased weird. She files a police but report about an incident that troubled her that happened to her. Right. What happened to her is that she's walking around and some blonde woman drives up to her and says, oh, hi, I'm, I'm a Dateline producer. Do you want to make $1,000? It's for reenacting a 911 call for this TV show that's going to be on Dateline. And she's like, Sure. But then she feels weird and kind of panics because she's like, that was weird. She, This woman doesn't have any kind of business card. She has no camera crew. This feels off. You know what? I'm not going to do this. A footage on a home security camera will show that was Pam's car that pulled up to her. Okay? Fuck. You know the money that they found on Lewis when he was dead? Yeah. Does it have that with the,
0: fingerprints on it or something?
1: No, but the bills... This, they line up sequentially with a hundred dollar bill that's in Pam's possession. So it looks like the money came oh, not that. from Russ, from Pam. There's also footage of Pam driving by Russ's that week, where she would have seen the wood pile that was newly outside his house. Remember, the note is yeah, like, "Leave, leave them, a, le- like, leave this in a wood pile." Jesus Christ. Right? also there's a carpet swatch found by the police in her home and it looks like she positioned it to try to protect her rug from blood like before she shot this guy she was like here's where i'm gonna shoot him let me lay down something to protect my rug So what they think because happened... Because of the lazy
0: fucking detective police work, this woman has gone on to kill
1: more people. So they think what happened was she was running around pretending to to be this dateline person seeing who would take the bait no one's taking the bait but then because this guy has some brain damage he's sort of an easy mark for it she gets him to come to her house and she's probably like we're gonna shoot this dateline thing and reenact it just hold this weapon or whatever hold this night whatever she did she made him think they were doing some sort of reenactment video and she she fucking shot him for real and killed him so she's arrested. Thank God. Finally. Finally. Within an hour of her being arrested, she's like, I have to use the bathroom. And she goes in there and shoves a pen in her neck and wrists. Does she die? No. Instead, she ends up uh, entering an Alfred guilty plea. Do you know what that is? Mm-hmm. It's so bullshitty. It's this thing where you basically don't have to say, I did it, I'm guilty. But instead you say, I recognize I would be found guilty. There's so much evidence against me that if we went to court, you would be able to prove I did it. I'm not saying I did it, but you would be able to prove I did it. And so is the penalty less for that? I don't know. It's just it you just don't, don't have to say out. you're guilty. It's a cop out. In uh, in 2020, Lewis's mom is awarded a wrongful death judgment of $3 million. Um and, yeah, Pam ends up serving a life sentence for his murder. Her mom's death in 2017, they change from accidental to undetermined. And the Betsy case has never been solved. The investigation was reopened in June 2019. Oh, good. I feel like you solved it. I feel like this is Thank this you. Is I it. think I did, too. And last October, Pam's husband left her. And... What we can look forward to in the future is that NBC is going to do a six-episode scripted TV series based on this. Guess who's going to play Pam?
0: Oh, Patricia Arquette.
1: Renee Zellweger. What? Unbelievable, right?
0: Unbelievable.
1: I actually can't wait. Oh, I kind of love Patricia Arquette for it, but I'm trisha arquette would have been a good casting choice and i'm excited to see what renee does
0: wow if you play judy you could play this wow how 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 did the system
1: fail betsy and russ for that matter like that's That's heartbreaking poor fucking like let the man have his fucking game night don't turn it against him how dare you
0: you know it was just all too convenient it was all too convenient.
1: <laughs> so fucking dumb.
0: Go fuck yourself.
1: Ugh, agree. Go fuck yourself. Agree. If you think that, why don't you guys all become friends with Pam Hupp?
0: Never. Ever. I will never let her in my life. She's not invited to my birthday party next year for sure.
1: No, no. She can't sh- come. She's in jail. But we're not going to have it at the jail. Oh,
0: poor Betsy. Like, she thought that was her
1: friend. How did they meet again? State Farm. They worked together at a life insurance company. Mm. Fucking hell. Which makes, which begs the question, did Betsy really? I don't Change, know. I don't think I'm Betsy so changed ownership. I'm so interested in how that conversation went.
0: I do not because think Betsy changed ownership. if it
1: did happen, it would have been at Pam's suggestion. And I can't believe Betsy would have been dumb enough to fall for that. I mean, I guess it would have been so out of left. You know, she's thinking about the end of her life because of cancer so, it wouldn't have been crazy if for Pam to be like, let me help you out, sign it over to me, and here's what I'll do to make sure it's safe. Oh, so sad if she trusted her that much.
0: I can't, I that part of the Bobby, her coming, be like, let me show up, like her just showing up unannounced too, is like, never have a friend who shows up unannounced.
1: Well, and dateline covered this obviously. And they were talking about in their series, which you've got to listen to the thing about Pam. They're talking about how Pam knew all about dateline. Cause she's involved in all these crazy things. So dateline's coming to her all the time being like, can we get an interview? Can we get an interview? And she's kind of develops this, uh, relationship with them where she's like, no, leave me alone. And this one woman in particular that kept asking her for an interview, she poses as that woman when she's doing the dateline thing. She uses her name as that's who I am. Fucking hell.
0: Thank you for sharing that. And everybody be aware of Pams. Always be wary of Pams.
1: Don't trust a Pam. Don't trust a Pam.
0: Unless it's a cooking spray, don't trust a Pam.
1: That's words to live by, really.
0: Words to live by and cherish forever and always.
1: I was thinking I'd make us egg salad... That sounds delightful, and
0: I'm excited about my teeny tiny creeply that I'm going to share with you.
1: Well, I'm excited for mine. It's okay. going to fucking knock your balls off. Balls
0: off. Oh, it'll we'll already be already be out. Oh, on. Sorry. sorry, sorry if you're not a Patreon sorry. Not a subscriber you hear it. and you're
1: just hearing us talk about how excited we are, but then you're not going to get to hear the story. I feel sincerely sorry for you.
0: And you know what? There's a way to fix it.
1: There is a way to fix it. How?
0: Go to patreon.com slash trulyducklycreeply or to trulyducklycreeply.com and press love and join Patreon. Oh, that's how they do it,
1: That's how they do it. Super simps. That's simple. Super simps. That's so simple. Super simps. Seems like the way to go. Seems like if you want to make your life better, it's just right there also, in front of you. Also, what we're doing right the now is we're asking
0: a you for money and we're not making you sign over your life insurance policy and we're not murdering you. That feels like in regards to this story. Instead of doing that like for money, the healthier we're option. just doing this. Just instead doing of this. that, we're
1: doing this. Mm-hmm. If you want to support instead of that, this. Do we just Patreon. told you how. We just told you how. Don't. You're welcome. We're not going to turn into Pam's. We, we won't do it. We won't do it. You know what? Even if you don't subscribe to Patreon... We won't do that. We're not going to do a murder. We're not going to do a murder. I have no interest in doing a murder. None. Zero interest.
0: Zero, zero, zero,
1: zero. We came here to make a podcast, not to kill people. Amen.